0: I'm Raquel, and you are listening to the first in a series of Horizontal Conversations, recorded for Mayfest 2022. In this conversation, I get to talk to Bristol-based creative producer, curator, and facilitator, Rosanna Diaz. Rosanna works with Gentle Radical, and up until recently was a producer at Rising Arts Agency. She is also co-curator of Creativity and Care, a year-long program exploring pleasure activism and care in production processes at Noel West Media Center, which she has been developing with Josephine Giassi. We invite you to find somewhere you can rest and take some time out to listen to this conversation. Unfortunately, the audio quality isn't brilliant on this recording. We've learnt from it and it will be better next time. But we hope you can bear with it and still get something from the conversation. And there will be a transcript link in the show notes. I was thinking the first question I'd really love to ask you is how you came to work with rest and care, because I think we both work with rest but um, we've come to it in very different ways maybe and um, I'd love to hear about how you came to that, if that feels okay
1: to share. Yeah, (laughs) definitely, it's a great question. I think, for me, working across, as a a creative producer and curator, working across projects that are both kind of creative and also about social change or social justice, so kind of with a foot in that activist space Mm. in both of those areas feels quite difficult to rest Um, it can be in in both of those kind of places the processes there can be very um, challenging demanding Mm. and there is a sense that You have to give your everything to make things a success and and part of that is kind of cultural norms Mm. and part of that is how things are set up in the creative sector and in work when you're trying to make change it can be very feel very um exhausting Mm. (laughs) um but actually um i guess for me it was the question was what happens when you you do start to centre rest and care as a as an antidote to that kind of burnout culture mm. that exists and for me that kind that started through my own experiences in the creative sector working in more institutional spaces and also i was working a lot with young people Young people of colour, young young change makers, and I felt complicit in some of those ways of working, where I felt I wasn't I wasn't providing a nourishing enough space in reality, and it just felt very jarring mm. because I too needed that and I wasn't getting that either. Um, and so I really started to question, um, I guess, what people really meant or really mean by co-creation, by youth-led, mm. you know, I was young, I was a young person <laughs> <laughs> then as well, you know, and, and the, the, I really started to realise where the power dynamic uh, would show up, uh, something I was noticing in my work with others and also in my own interactions with more institutional culture mm. or ways of creative production and making art, telling stories. And so, a lot of, I guess it took me a while to understand that what I, the question I kept returning to was, well, where is the care in this process? Mm. A lot of the ways of, of of working where you're centering the person, the individual and their needs, as well as collective needs, for me feels very intuitive. And so I'd become quite frustrated when that wasn't shared by other people. Mm. And it took me quite a few years, I think, to realize that it was around care and understanding how you could shift production processes that that would be a way in for people to to maybe shift their own practice Mm. and also a way for me to demand the change that I wanted to see Mm. but it wasn't it wasn't immediate a lot of the time I I used to think of I I used to talk about co-creation and different kinds of methodologies and I think that is important but actually for me the baseline has become a more holistic sense of, of care mm. and how you take care of yourself and other people in the process.
0: That's mm. so interesting that you, uh, you just sense that jarringness between kind of creating these spaces of care and the, the institutions or the productions that you're, the, the production kind of culture you're working within. How, did, how do you kind of seed rest and care into your own practice and into the, the kind of working week? What, what, what does a project look like? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I guess the way, one of the ways that I always start work or working with people is taking the time to create, some shared principles or intentions for the work mm. and as part of that conversation understanding what it is i need to feel cared for mm. and being able to communicate that and also what is it that i can do to care for others and if if you know in collaborations if if we're all able to ans- ask these questions of ourselves share the answers and that can be a really nice way in to being radically honest mm-hmm. about what we want and what we're able to give mm-hmm. and where our edges are and that is, a div- that is the start of a conversation that, that conversation about what we need what we desire how we want to show up is always shifting Mm. so it can't just happen once (laughs) it needs to come back but it's for me it's about like part of it is about trying to create that culture and often that means slowing down Mm. which can sometimes be very tricky in a sector that demands quite rapid production Mm. uh, and decision making (laughs) because of the scarcity Of resources or the perceived scarcity of resources as well I would say because I don't think it has to be like that but that's what the cultural norm is to produce within these the scarcity model
0: Mm. yeah yeah right yeah I really agree that maybe there is the resources but we maybe never feel like we can ask for it mm-hmm. because we have to try and deliver the project within something manageable or, or not ask for too much um, it's it's so interesting to hear you talk about rest and care because I've come at it from um, I guess I'm coming at it from disability justice but it, it came very much from a personal need to lie down, um, throughout the day to manage pain and the kind of cognitive fatigue that comes with that. And, um, I did that for many years just at home, but didn't feel brave enough to do it in public. And about seven, six, seven years ago, that, that shifted because I just felt like my world had gotten far too small. And so I started to kind of, uh, challenge myself to play or feel a bit bolder about lying down in in public the arnolfini actually is where we are today is one of the first places that i Mm. lay down in the gallery so that i could see the art and um and linger with the art and Mm. have that and then not go home to recuperate but recuperate in public um and and then I, uh, in 2016 I triggered a security alert by lying down at the South Bank Centre and that kind of really sparked this, I felt like um, I wanted to respond to that and one of the things I did was put this survey out about um, like what, what would make your local arts venue or arts institution like truly accessible and I left this little box in the, in the survey inviting people to share a resting story if they wanted to and started collecting these stories, these kind of amazingly frank and truthful stories about people resting in all kinds of public places, like to- toilets quite a lot, mm-hmm. um, people's cars, uh, people resting in stationary covers at work, because it was the only place where they could um, rest, which is kind of funny and tragic at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, that, that those stories became kind of the key narrative in in the piece that I made Um, but rest I guess it it started off as like the rest in stories and then and then it became a question about well um, how do we ask our audiences to listen to this because actually we want them to rest while they hear the stories and and then I feel like rest is then sort of more and more become part of all of what I do, hopefully. Mm. Not not always possible, but um, you said, I heard a conversation you had recently, you talked about, uh, you and Uella were talking about Wester's methodology. Mm. And um, yeah, I, th- I, and I think you talked about like what, how, what do you create from that space, from those soft spaces? which is language that I really, really loved, um, that Uella said that your work often comes from the soft spaces. Mm. Um, Yeah, what's that kind of rest methodology like for you?
1: Yeah. I think that part of the way my brain kind of works or thinks about it is I'm very obsessed with processes. Um, it's not a surprise being a <laughs> producer. <laughs> so I'm really like unpicking the process of things. Mm. And so I, I focus as much on the process as, as the product of whatever it is we're doing. And I think um, when, you, when you think about the process and how that can be softer, more um, peaceful, Mm. um, expansive. Mm. And I mean that in the sense of maybe we don't quite know where we're going, but we have our principles. We have a shared respect, Um, maybe as a group of collaborators working together. we know our direction, Um, but actually the edges of it are soft, Mm -hmm. and the spaces and the the, the time that we spend together, uh, we need to be gentle with one another. So, um, part of that comes from doing a lot of work around racial justice, and really seeing how how when you're working to, you know, change a system and processes which are so embedded in so many parts of our society, not just the kind of arts world, you're also, it, it, it's, it's very easy to not to rest actually and not to just to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going and that, that, that burnout, can really come and get you. And I see it for myself. I see it in others who are maybe working in what might be called inclusion uh, work. You know, Mm. again, quite an institutional term, Mm. maybe not that useful, but who are trying to make change basically, whether that's in a community setting or another setting. And doing that through creative means, the question in terms of like that REST methodology one of the main questions for me as a producer is like, how do we resource the rest? Mm -hmm. So within the work that I was doing with Rising Arts Agency over the last few years, that's been a big question. Mm. (laughs) And you know, we we tried various different ways of how you might actually just resource the rest, pay people to rest. And for that to be no strings attached. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really radical, but it shouldn't be. You know, we all have different challenges. But there are also some who, because of, because of, the, because of their identities and how society is set up to marginalize them, mm. we should be resourcing that rest. Mm. As a society, as a sector. Yes. And it just seems so obvious, you <laughs> know, but it isn't something that is widely understood. It feels like someone always has to pay in capitalism, in creativity, you know, in change-making. Mm. But it doesn't have to be like this. Mm. So for me, I'm interested in what are the, like, practical ways we can resource that rest, resource that soft time, Mm. resource longer, deeper processes of Mm. engagement where we're really valuing people for people, not seeing them as like a means to an end or a number or a statistic or a token, but Mm. actually enriching Mm. their lives. Mm. Their, well, that not their lives, but the enriching their experience of creativity,
0: mm. and giving them the time and space to really explore that, yes. and um, yeah, and to and to recover from the the, the I'm going to use the word the violence yeah. of the world, um, yeah. Yeah, this yeah this question of does 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 somebody always have to pay? <laughs> because um, as part of the Cloud Spotting project, I run these cafes, these kind of Cloud Spotting cafes that I've mentioned to you before, and they're, I, th- I think of them very much as crypt spaces. They're kind of set up very intentionally to, um, to be for you to do what you need to do mm. to feel uh, well in that space. So mm-hmm. there's a soft start you always can come and go whenever you need to and you don't have to explain. Camera's off if you prefer. We always have a rest after um, like half an hour or 40 minutes. Um, so it's it's a kind of very held space and uh, a space, I guess, where we have the understanding that we all we all have some kind of chronic illness. So people, there's a kind of trust there that people get it and um and it so it feels like a safe space as well as a a, like a more expansive softer space Mm. um and that space is uh, i mean we've had feedback about how how good it is and how necessary it is um but we keep having this question and and i'm also very lucky lucky enough to kind of also go on residencies with other people who are exploring chronic pain and dance or rest and, and, and um, creative practices so we can create these pockets mm-hmm. that are different but the question comes up again and again how do we, um, how do we hold on to those principles when we have to work in, in the systems that exist mm-hmm. or when we rub up against those systems and um, yeah how can we take some of the principles in the atmosphere into the other work that we do because and I, and I don't, I don't have an, uh, an answer at all because I, I really struggle to, uh, to, to do that for myself on a kind of day-to-day mm. basis. Even though I have quite a strong rest practice and I always rest at least twice a day, um, I, can, I, can still, I can still really overdo it and really get caught up in a, in a rhythm that exacerbates pain and other symptoms that, I, that then takes longer to sort of calm down okay. or it's more work to calm it all down I, I think I had about three different questions in there I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah something about how yeah d- d- is it that somebody else always has to pay if if one person is resting does that mean somebody else always has to pick up the mm-hmm. work or mm-hmm. Or can we build flex into the system so that there we go. there's always there's <clears> always <throat> someone in the role of available to support or pick up?
1: Yeah.
0: Is that the dream?
1: This is the dream. Mm. I think there's a few things to pick up on there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I think absolutely this is the dream that actually resting and being just being able to be in whatever way we need to be because rest isn't always like soft or quiet or it can be loud and mm. Mm. shaking your whole body like you know whatever rest is you, there are so many different kind of qualities or characteristics of rest types of rest maybe mm. that that people need so being able to find whatever it is that works for you but yeah having having um having spaces or processes that do have that flexibility and uh mean that someone isn't paying is something that is so rare Mm. and yet um there are there are ways of of doing it and i think for example you know, it, it does go back to that intentionality, I think, um, something that um, J.C. and myself at Norris Media Centre are exploring through the creativity and care programme is around this idea of like creative care coordinators, and what it means to resource uh, people, members of staff to do that work of care in a creative setting and to and what would that role look like and that was something that we uh came up with with our you know the co-creation process that you were a part of Mm -hmm. and it's something that one of the other collaborators jay talawa based in birmingham now implements as part of their practice they have a creative care coordinator resourced through various means that accompanies them and supports them at different points of their creative journey and now we're looking at okay well how does that work as a in an organizational setting Mm. and so i guess that leads me to the point of i really believe that whilst it feels like change on that mainstream (laughs) top-down level is really hard to achieve. Mm. I do think that we can do it in another way. If we can start with ourselves and our connections, like our connected communities, Mm. our connected organisations, we can, we can create change. And I think that's something that Adrian Mary Brown talks about a lot. And I take a lot of strength from that idea of fractals and Modeling the small changes to create the bigger changes, mm. and I think that rest in a way has become more of a mainstream topic through the the height of the pandemic that was I think a lot of people's consciousnesses have even if it was maybe temporary <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We're, you know, we're opened a little bit. Yeah. And I think that part of what I want to do is that whole, um, thing of, like, artists making the revolution irresistible Mm. kind of piece, but also, like, how do you make this rest and slowness and care irresistible? Mm. Because you can, we can take these into other places, and I have done this, institutional places. And it is so kind of wildly different to what people are used for used to. And it you get this sense that for them it is utterly delicious mm, mm. and it's so <laughs> delicious, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know in your life, they're like, mm. Oh, this is it can actually this is a whole nother way, like bringing reflection into the process. We've not done this before. Mm. You know, these things that can slow down on to the next thing kind of culture. Mm. And also, let's not talk about how that actually went. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just carry on kind of culture. To actually slow down and iterate and learn together and make it a delicious process. Mm. And I I do think that there is space for that. It's a slow road, slow journey, though. Yes. It feels like there's...
0: um... Yeah, there's so many ways in which the I think the things we want to bring into the world have a lot of similarities, um, and I'm I'm super interested in collective acts of rest, mm. and uh, in the in the cloud spotting show we bring the audience together to lie down. Um, to lie down together to listen to the the stories and the narrative and the music and um, I think there was something very special about doing that journey together Mm. um, and kind of enacting rest in public and uh, letting yourself be vulnerable in that way and um, because it is, it can be an awkward act for people to to lie down in public and feel um, vulnerable. I, I read an, a, an article recently about um, by an architect. Her surname's De Klerk and she's writing, She's based in South Africa, and she was writing about a public interior, wanting uh, spaces that are like a, a public interior where you can feel as, at home mm. in public, as in your own home. Um, and and that means you you kind of have more access to the resources of the, the city would be sort of more um, open and available. Um, what what are the kind of collective acts of rest that that you imagine or
1: daydream about? I love that. As you were kind of talking about that article and that architects like ideas that that really made me think of one of the one of the places I started uh, with couple of years ago was around this idea of yeah of collective rest and what that looks what that could look like what that can be and actually what is already happening because mm. there are, there is stuff happening and there's there's an artist who's based in North America called Uzumaki and, and they create these totally fur-lined uh, room installations. Everything is covered in in thick, bright, fake <laughs> fur, and, yeah, it's, and they invite, you know, there's spaces for people of colour to come and just hang out and rest, and...
0: That sounds delicious and
1: irresistible. <laughs> exactly, and fun, yeah. and like, you yeah. know, kind of like loud and wild at the same time mm. as being so inviting and cosy and restful. Mm. I love that, that kind of combination. And I want that like I when I close my eyes when I when I first thought about like the kind of uh, spaces of care project way back when, when it when it was a more of a, a project about placemaking and specifically about digital placemaking, I could imagine. Like shops mm. that were no longer shops that were soft spaces for us to go. Mm where you didn't have to pay <laughs> to be in the space, you didn't have to buy a coffee <laughs> yeah, yeah. to hang out, you know, you actually could just come and be. Yeah. And of course, as soon as you start to do that, that, that kind of dreaming, it does throw up a lot of questions about safety, about hospitality, mm. about resourcing it, yeah. you know, yeah. all of these things. Yes. Yeah. These are the kind of questions that I really like digging into.
0: Yeah, I've I've been uh, dreaming and sort of talking for a few years about a rest in spaces network, mm. which would sort of be a, a a group of spaces that sort of proclaim themselves rest friendly, and but they're but they're spaces that are maintained so that. So I guess with, the, with that kind of proclamation comes a kind of duty of care to, mm. to maintain a, a resting space or a very clear invitation to rest within the building. Um, and that's, that's something I'm going to kind of try over the next year with, um, yeah, with venues in Bristol and as part of Mayfest we're going to have three beautiful resting spaces at Bristol Old Vic that are temporary, you know, for now. But um, yeah, really, really wanting to see if it's possible to to create those spaces and that invitation mm. to rest. And I know it would, would take it would take time for people to feel safe enough to use them for sure. But um, but but to see what that would what change that, that could that could bring for for people like me who yeah, who need those spaces to, to be out in the world.
1: That sounds so exciting, and <laughs> I can't wait to come and rest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come and rest there. Yeah.
0: I. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation, and um, I really feel like that. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love um, to chat again sometime about how we. Yeah, how we build in the flex and but also how we all support one another to to rest and maybe we don't need to dream these things alone, maybe we can kind of dream them collectively and share that experience
1: yes I I wish for this too I wish for this too and yeah, send I guess, send a a, a wish, a hope of rest out to everybody who's listening as well Mm. um yeah, that we can do that together. Mm.
0: Mm, absolutely. Calling it in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you,
0: Raquel. Thank you. For
1: a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thank you. Keep thank you a beautiful afternoon. Oh,
0: You can find links to the people and conversations we mentioned in the show notes, as well as links to Rosanna's projects, including her really exciting new endeavor she is launching this summer. Rosanna is launching Studio Susigat, a new home for creative production in Bristol and beyond, in rest and care in creative practice and using the principles, intentions, business model and co-creation strategies she's been developing over the last few years. She can't wait to launch it and I can't wait for it to be in the world. There are also links to the Rest in Spaces network I mentioned in the conversation and to a new year-long project that I am launching in June called Towards a Restful City. Restful City will run a Bristol Cloud Spotters book club, horizontal events and create a map of rest-friendly spaces in Bristol cloud spotters is the term or the euphemism I use um, to express the horizontal needs of someone with an invisible disability like chronic pain so if you're based in Bristol and um, you are also a cloud spotter that might be a space you want to check out thanks for listening today